Hey, it's Anna. And the newsletter is open right now at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. My newsletter is the most comprehensive service for blogging business owners. Each week, the newsletter focuses on strategies, features, and the benefits for online businesses. The Blogging Business Owner newsletter is the number one way that I get to connect with you each week. Having the newsletter is what drives traffic to my site every single day. So dive in now at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. Bloggingbusinessowner.com slash N-E-W-S-L-E-T-T-E-R. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. Hello and welcome to the Blogging Business Owner podcast. This is your co-host, Anna. And this is your co-host, Chaitanya. And today we're going to be discussing why all bloggers need a mailing list, how to start and frequently ask questions. Welcome to episode three. Yeah, I think like uh, everyone needs a mailing list, mailing list, right? Yeah, all bloggers need a mailing list. And before we jump in, we'll just like to start with some disclaimers. So there are going to be some affiliate links on in this podcast. And what that means is that we make a small commission off of any purchase that you make with these affiliates. It's a way to support the podcast. It doesn't come at any additional cost to you. It just helps us out. And this is not legal advice. So we are not lawyers and we uh, do not practice and we're definitely not your lawyer and we're not lawyers at all. So let's start with a mailing list. So a little bit about blogging business owner. Uh, As you may know, we didn't have a website when we started. We started with landing pages with ConvertKit, uh, which you can get at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash landing pages. And we did this so that we could start building our mailing list because it really is a bedrock to a successful online business. And we were able to do that uh, with ConvertKit. And it, it was a lot um, that decision was made because of you know privacy policies and uh, canned spam. And so we wanted to make sure that we were abiding by the law when uh, when we signed up with um, with ConvertKit. But why do we need a mailing list? Don't we have social media too? Yeah, we have social media, but social media isn't really reliable, especially now. Um, we have, for example, Snapchat, right? It used to be really popular and then it just stopped being popular. I mean, it has come back. It's it's not like completely gone and it is pretty popular with some uh, generations, but it, it just, it to me, you know, it doesn't have the same attention grabbing as it used to. And then in this last year, 2020, we saw the rise of TikTok. So what I'm trying to say is that people will shift their platform based on their needs and, and their their preferences. So even if you have a really strong presence in one of the platforms, it doesn't mean that your audience is going to continue with you on that platform. And so you have a couple of options. You can you know diversify and go on other platforms and try to adapt uh, and, and then try to find your audience again, or you can, you know, have a consistent messaging with them. And the reality is, is that most people won't change their phone number or their email all that often. And so, you know, you can't call them. So <laughs> having their email addresses is a good option to keeping in contact with a subscriber. So yeah, I d- I'm not saying that don't do social media. I think it's a great avenue. Uh, but something that's more reliable would be an email list. Yeah, that's got me totally sold on building an email list. Could you tell me more about it? Like, how would I use an email list to uh, get to my subscribers and possibly like uh, use it for marketing? So let's start with some basics. So what is an email list? So an email list is an electronic mailing list uh, of a collection of other people's mailing addresses, right? That are then used to communicate via email. This isn't a fast process. Uh, It does take time to collect emails. It does take effort to collect emails. But today we're going to talk about, you know, things that you can do to successfully collect those emails. And the benefits are that you have a steady stream of communication with your subscriber. You're not limited by algorithms. You're not limited by uh, 
time feeds, you can send a message, they can see it when they get a chance, and they can reply and talk to you back. So really, it's it's a great form of communication. Now, you want to collect information that's going to be useful for you, such as emails, right? And that is really the most important part. If you think other things are important, such as first names, because you want to personalize the email, then you know that that's up to you. Just know that the more information you have, the more you're responsible. So you you don't want to ask information that you don't want to be responsible for. You want to make sure that you have a good balance between the time versus the value, right? So if somebody takes too long to fill out a form, they might not want to finish it and not turn it in. And so you you really don't get a subscriber until they click that subscribe button at the at the end. And so you want to make sure that they click it at the end. So make sure that they finish it. So here's a tip. Only ask for relevant information. Find out what's most valuable to you and to your brand. And most people ask for first names and email addresses. Uh, that's completely up to you. The most important thing here is the email address. Yeah, that's a really good intro to using emails and a mailing list. I was thinking like, why would we want to use emails instead of instead of like social social media such as like facebook or twitter well you know the first thing is that most people online already have an email list that we can't really say that about you know other platforms we can't say almost everybody has fill in the blank right for the platform but most people will have a an email. And so that would be, you know, something that that should be enticing is that most people do have that. And so that that's a way to connect with them. Plus, with social media, people have different preferences and different ways of using them. And so, you know, if you just use one, you're really limiting yourself as far as your audience. And so you don't want to just stay with so you don't want to just stay with <laughs> one uh kind of social media or one platform. And then another perk for using your email is that you can personalize a message. You know, you might want to do that. You can't really do that in a mass way with social media. It, it, it would take a ton of effort to send individual messages at the same time or close to the same time to everybody. And so you want to the best way to mitigate that is to use email. And if you really want to, you know, be successful at being a blogger, then you do want to get into a mailing list. There are people who are successful bloggers and who say that their number one regret is not having a mailing list earlier. Um, most people think of a mailing list once they're ready to launch a product or a service or when they're going to have, you know, s- something big happening, right? Like they're going to have some huge change, uh, mostly, you know, financial. And it's honestly a bit late at that point. Uh, You often see, you know, people struggling to connect because they don't have a steady stream of communication. And so it's great to start from the beginning with the mailing list so that later on you don't have to struggle and you get the practice of sending the emails and connecting. Other information or reasons why you do want to start a mailing list is because you have email funnels. So an email funnel is a series of steps that set you up to meet a potential customer, you know, to make a sale. So for example, it it usually takes about seven touches, they call, to make a sale. And so every email that you send is a connection point with that subscriber, bringing you closer to a potential sale. Now, the other part is that you own your mailing list. This is all yours. And and very few things as bloggers can we say are ours, but this is your list and you are able to tap into it. And lastly, you establish trust. And that's the main thing. Throughout the entire uh, blogging career, that's what you want to do. You want to establish trust with your subscribers and genuinely nurture that uh, community or your community. And so making sure that you're listening and that you're responding and having communication is really important to establishing trust. Yeah, I think uh, the point you bring about trust is definitely valid for me too. Sometimes in my inbox, if I see a particular influencer that I'm subscribing to, uh, I tend to read their emails at 
at the first instead of the other ones. As we are dealing with mailing lists, do you think is there some legal stuff to be worried about while collecting people's names or like getting their email addresses? Yeah, for sure, because that's people's oh, sorry about that, because that's people's personal information. And so there's this great quote by Laura Atkins, and she says, the law is the lowest bar. <laughs> so you can't go lower than the bar and then the law because then you're breaking the law, right? And so I yeah, I don't want to scare you. So I'm just going to go briefly over this and you could definitely find more information. You can speak to a lawyer, you can uh, go to your country and state's uh, laws and see what is permitted and what is needed. Uh, and there's a ton of resources that you can look at. We're just going to briefly go over this. And again, this is not legal advice. So every website needs a privacy policy. And in the privacy policy, it states how people's information is being used. So that's, is it being shared? Is it being sold? So anything that has to do with your privacy or the audience's privacy is disclosed in a privacy policy. Not having a privacy policy could open you up to a fine, at least in California. Uh, and, you know, it, it just, it makes it really uncomfortable. It adds stress. So if you have a website, have a privacy policy as well. It, it needs to be done. There are higher consequences in other countries, such as Germany, uh, especially if you're doing like email marketing. And so just be aware of who are your subscribers and be sure to abide by, you know, by the laws. So I, I was so scared when I found out about the privacy policy because we had already started working on the website and that was just something that I didn't know about. And I was so excited about the website that when I found out about privacy policy, I had such a hard time sleeping that night. I, I was just so stressed out. And the next morning, I was just feeling a bit defeated. And I went online and just started typing in privacy policy. And I found a great website. It's called Website Policies. And you can access website policies with our link, which is bloggingbusinessowner.com slash policies. And they made it so easy for me to have a privacy policy in just a matter of minutes. They asked me questions that I knew the answers to, questions that were made beforehand, and I just click through them. And it was really easy to get, you know, to the final product. So for me, this is really important, really made it worth my time and my money because going to a lawyer is really expensive. And so I just, for something that's like a privacy policy, if you read privacy policies, they're all kind of similar, but don't copy and paste them. That's also not a good idea. Don't take someone else's privacy policy. If you read enough of them, you'll notice that they sort of sound repetitive. And so for something that is so kind of transactional, it just didn't seem to me like that would be something that I would want to talk to an attorney about. And I know that there are services like downloadable templates where you can put in the information that you want and it's some form of uh, like a doc. I just don't I, I didn't trust myself with those sorts of uh, services just because I wouldn't know what to put in them, what to take away, how to make it my own, how to make it so different that it doesn't look like I'm copying someone else who may have also bought the template. I mean, these are just things that went in my mind. I've never bought a template with legal paperwork, but it was just something that I didn't want to risk. And privacy policies really gave me that flexibility and that support to be able to really customize the policies. So now I don't only have privacy policies with them, but I also have an acceptable use policy, which is the no spam policy and what would happen in case of infringement. I also have a terms and conditions and this policy outlines intellectual property rights and limitations and liabilities. The DMCA policy and this policy contains notification of infringement and counter notifications, disclaimers and outline of protections uh, such as not legal advice, <laughs> uh, a cookie policy which is uh, how the cookie, what cookies are, uh, how the cookies are used and again the privacy policy policy, right? And that also touches on like 
billing and uh, disclosing information like payments and things like that. And so uh, you don't need all of these. I believe that you just need the privacy policy. Definitely check with your state and and country uh, on what you need and according to your users as well. Uh, But privacy policies, it's just for me, my preference is just better to be protected. And privacy policies really gave me a great offer when I bought them in a bundle. So buy them in bundles. I ended up buying one more and it was like $20. And then the other four or five combined were 60. And so I really got a better deal when I bought more than one. So if you're going to buy them, my suggestion is buy them in bundles. uh, But that's just to save money. Yeah, that's really good advice, Anna. Buying them in bundles so that uh, you save some money while getting these policies. I remember that while uh, we were looking at policies, there was an acronym or an abbreviation called CAN SPAM that popped up. I really don't know about it. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, CAN SPAM is the law that regulates commercial email messaging that forbids deceptive email messages and requires senders to have an unsubscribe link in every email uh, so that the person who is wanting to unsubscribe gets a quick response. So there's some things I want to say more about that, but that is the heart of it. It does vary. So the can't spam is not always going to be the same across, you know, globally. It's it, it won't be. And so make sure that you are familiar with can't spam. I believe there are laws, but they could be regulations. Because it is so easy uh, for you to have a global audience, just be sure and aware of where your audience is. I, I can't stress that enough. And just be sure that you are abiding by by you know their law and, and that you're protecting yourself and your business. So tips to create ethical and lawful mailing list. One, include an unsubscribe link to every email. Yeah, I think that is a critical part of it because if I want to like not continue uh, subscribing to a newsletter, I find that unscri- uns- having an unsubscribe link definitely helps. And I would think that uh, if you have an unsubscribe link, uh, you definitely want uh, the opt-out request to be processed immediately. Yeah, and that's the benefit of having an email marketing software is that you do um, respond back immediately, right? Because it's not you going online. It is the system that is responding. That is a big part of mailing lists. You, you don't want to make it cumbersome for someone to unsubscribe. That's number two. Number three, include a mailing address in every email. Did you know that? Did you know you have to include a <laughs> mailing address in every email? It's wild. You really do. I know I talk about ConvertKit a lot, but honestly, they are very impressive. They will give you their address and any mail that is like forwarded to them or mailed to them, but really it's intended for you. They'll open it, they'll scan it, and they'll send it back to you. They're very open about this. They um, And they do it for free. And so, you know, if you go with another provider, that's fine. Just remember, you need a mailing address and every email yeah another tip uh, the fourth tip actually i can think of is like we should probably not use any misleading subject lines i think that would get us in trouble right so you don't want to appear like you're you know talking about one thing and then they click on the link and it's something completely different don't do that right and don't don't send emails where people think that they're going to open one thing and, and then the messaging is even something completely different the next one is do not attempt to conceal your identity tell them who it's from don't you know make sure that people can see yeah also like you should probably be aware of the can spam regulations or any particular regulations and laws that apply to the country where you operate in. I think that is uh, that is an important thing to be mindful of. Right. Yeah, you really want to be aware of those. Uh, the next one is never make an email opt-in mandatory. So I think you've seen this with some services or products where, where they'll say at the bottom, do you want notifications? Uh, and the, the uh, box is blank. And then they also say, uh, would you like to receive emails uh, from us and you know the box is blank that box should not be checked and and unable to uncheck like that always needs to be an option you should never be 
required or mandated to opt into a mailing list. Yeah, and I think we have mentioned this in the past. We generally need to be mindful of what kind of information we are collecting and we should probably just collect only the information that is absolutely required for us. Any more information and you're you're responsible for managing it properly. Right, yeah. You don't want to be responsible for something that you don't need to be responsible for. So navigate it as best as you think you know you you would like and whatever is going to benefit your business and protect your business as well as yourself and the you know your audience now that we have established why an email list is essential and some of the legal potholes to avoid let's move on to the exciting part getting the email list up and running. So to successful successfully create an email list you need three things. One, a persuasive landing page or opt-in form to collect emails. Two, an email marketing service or tool to manage these email addresses. And three, a place to put your opt-in form, like a website or a social media page. I think in the last podcast, we already discussed how we could build a persuasive landing page with ConvertKit to get some emails and only collect the required information. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the second point? So the second one is an email marketing service or tool to manage these email addresses. And don't worry, we will write a blog post with this. And you'll also have the show notes, which you can find at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash three. So number two is an email marketing service or tool to manage these email addresses. Again, I will talk about ConvertKit because I really believe in their service and I really encourage you to go and try them. If you don't like them, that's fine. There's a free plan, I should say. There's also a paid plan, uh, but you can start on the free plan. It's it's great. You get to know their software. So with ConvertKit, I really prefer them because you can make these landing pages, right? You were alluding to that a little bit before that we did talk about that in our last episode. You can create them and you can gather email addresses that way. And so if you're already doing it, keep on doing it. And they also have unlimited forms. And so if you have a website and you don't need a landing page, you just need a form, you can create unlimited forms with the free plan. And so grab your forms from there. There are other providers too. ConvertKit is free, um, at least for forms. And so you can find... uh, other benefits to ConvertKit, like the e-commerce space. But right now I'm, I'm going to stick to just the email. So with email, and I'm speaking kind of broadly, you can broadcast. So let your audience know when you have a promotion, right? A a broadcast is when you when you give a mass message. You have access to subscriber management when and that's identifying which subscribers are interested in different pieces of your business with tagging and segmentation. You can do sequences, which are pre-arranged uh, sequence of emails for different triggers. So for example, when someone subscribes to your newsletter, they automatically get a series of emails from you. And automations. Some creators may opt for sending out a freebie with every newsletter sign up instantly and with pre-arrangement so with the free plan if you just go on convertkit.com you won't get any of these benefits if you use the link bloggingbusinessowner.com slash pricing then you'll have access to broadcast and to subscriber management and that's something that is unique to the link I mean, you can also get links from somebody else, but it is a new update from ConvertKit. And so if you find another uh, blogger or influencer who has the link as well, then it will work too. Uh, But if you just go onto ConvertKit.com, you won't get access to broadcast and subscriber management unless you enroll into the referral program. We won't go into that now, but you are free to look at that on your own time. Now, sequences and automations, that's something that is on the paid uh, plan. And that's really what uh, kind of boosted me to a paid plan. I believe in having communication with uh, with your audience and to really nurture your audience from day one. And so I wanted everybody who got onto my mailing list 
to be able to receive an email from me automatically welcoming them in. I also have a thank you message, things like that, but I really wanted them to know a little bit more about the business and about me and what they can expect. And so that automation piece was really important for me. And so I decided to go on to the paid plan. That's where I'm at. That might not be where you're at, or you might be ahead of me. So I really invite you to go ahead and go onto bloggingbusinessowner.com slash pricing and look at the different pricing plans. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about pricing in just a bit, but if that's something you want to do, go ahead and pause and come back. Yeah. Hey, it's Anna. And I want to personally invite you to try the ConvertKit free plan. It's time to tackle email marketing the right way. Go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash ConvertKit. ConvertKit will help you start your mailing list in no time. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash ConvertKit. That was a really good introduction to all the features that ConvertKit has to offer, how you can make the best out of the free and like possibly the paid plans if you want to use the paid plans to grow your subscribers. I want to know how we can actually like start building my email list. I would think like this is not totally dependent on ConvertKit, right? It, it it would be like something independent of it and I could probably use something else instead of ConvertKit too. So I would think that there are a few concepts that are common part of whatever providers we use. Right, yeah. So one of the easiest ways to start for free is with ConvertKit landing pages. <laughs> I know we keep talking to you about them, but it's because they're really, really great. And it's a great starting place. So bloggingbusinessowner.com slash landing page. You can use that link uh, and start your landing pages. But really, it is a great spot to start. It's a quick snippet about what you want your potential subscriber to know. There's a form and then they can subscribe right then and there. That would be one way. If you have a website, you can use your website so that you can have different places to to. Uh, invite your audience member to subscribe or to be added to the mailing list. We, I'm going to share a little bit about our strategy about our the homepage on Blogging Business Owner. And I'm going to tell a little bit about why I did this. Please look at other websites as well and figure out what's going to work best for you and for your audience. This is just our strategy and our experience. So for me, I'm going to talk about the homepage, because that's usually the place that people come in through. Uh, so when people go to bloggingbusinessowner.com, they'll usually, they'll start at the homepage. So if they start with a different link, of course, their navigation is going to be a, a bit different, but most people are going to look at your homepage. So in our home, in our homepage, we have the form to subscribe in the top bar, in the footer, in the sidebar, below the header and then we also have it in the about me page and the resource page in the home page alone there are five places where you can add your mailing uh or you can sign up for the mailing list and we just try to make it super easy for you to sign up and if you miss one that's fine there's other ones as well i think if you're not used to working in the back end of a website, these spaces wouldn't automatically jump out at you, right? They're, they really seamlessly blend in. But once you start to build your website, you will notice all the different places that they're placed in. And you might already have a website. So I invite you to go to your website and count how many opportunities are you offering for somebody to add themselves to your mailing list. Another another way to get subscribers subscribe to your email list would be to use an opt-in form. An opt-in form is usually embedded into blog posts or different parts of the website. And this uh, opt-in form will usually have uh, an email and a button to sign up. So you would usually embed this form into blog posts so that if they buy, if they skip the home page or if they couldn't sign up for your newsletter through the home page, they they could usually subscribe to your newsletter using the opt-in form in the posts. So we'll put a picture of our opt-in form inside of the blog post uh, so that you can see what ours looks like but you can also check out our website and see what the different uh, opt-in forms look like uh, they all have a different 
look to them depending on which part of the website you're on. The next way that you can invite people to subscribe is also through lead magnets. And so a lead magnet is usually an attention grabber for people. And it's usually not because they want to subscribe to the newsletter. It's more because they want access to that freebie or lead magnet. And so for example, if I were talking about an editorial calendar and I made a one page handout and somebody wanted to download that one page handout, I would ask them to provide their mailing list and then they would I would set it up with ConvertKit so that they automatically download or it's it's sent to them that PDF or freebie. So that would be another way that uh, you can also engage and and invite subscribers into your uh into your subscription list. And of course, they always have the option of unsubscribing. And so if they don't want to be part of that uh, newsletter, then they, they don't have to be. Always disclose too, you know, that they are going to be added to that newsletter. Another way that you could get subscribers is by using a subscri- subscription page. This is kind of a dedicated page somewhere on your website that would talk to your potential website, uh, potential subscribers about the benefits of joining your email newsletter. I feel like there's so many emails going around uh, nowadays, like spam emails. People might be really picky about which newsletters they subscribe to. So having a dedicated subscription page can help the subscriber feel more confident about joining your newsletter or your subscription email list. Uh, some of the things that you may include in a subscription page is like samples of emails that you have sent out to current subscribers. And that would give an idea to the person who's subscribing to your list of what what are they signing up for. You could also include free resources or something of value that they can... Uh, get through the subscription some things uh some things like uh coupons or freebies uh you also want to have a really strong headline to convert the person to a subscriber on your subscription page also it would be awesome like if a subscriber could personalize their subscription such as the frequency of emails they want to receive like for example daily weekly monthly also uh, I, i would recommend including a social media sharing button on your subscription page so so that your subscribers can possibly share the page uh, via social media to other subscribers or other friends that they want that they want to influence to join to your subscription list a subscription page can be cumbersome to put together right especially when you're staring at a blank screen and not really knowing what to put on but those are really great points to put on a subscription page so that people know more information about why you why they would benefit from signing up to your newsletter or to subscribe to you and so that's a great idea thanks for sharing the last part of this is going to be facebook and facebook when you open a facebook page you'll notice that you're able to customize a lot of it and at the top right you'll notice that they provide you with the button and this button can be made into anything that you want And so if you want to put subscribe to the newsletter and that link goes to a form that subscribes them to the newsletter, that's a great way to gain subscribers. So using that Facebook link, of course, you can do this with other platforms as well, but other platforms might limit you in the amount of links. And so you have to weigh out if you want to use your link for a subscription or for something else. The benefit of Facebook is that they do have a dedicated button that you can switch around and that you can customize. So to sum it up, Uh, In short, to build an email list, we want to have an opt-in form or a landing page that we can use, get subscribers, and we want to keep the uh, whatever choice we use pretty simple, attractive, and persuasive so that a subscriber actually ends up joining our email list. And also, like, we want to be mindful about placing our newsletter subscription form in many different places, such as different places on the homepage, 
uh, in the sidebar, stuff like that, and also embedding them inside the posts so that we can reach more subscribers if they possibly didn't subscribe on the homepage. Uh, that way we have a higher probability of having more subscribers. So it begs the question, can your list ever get too big? And the answer is, yeah, <laughs> it can be. And so we're going to talk a little bit about when your list is too big and how do you work with cold subscribers. And we'll talk more about what that means. You do want to have a dedicated software for mailing. So you don't want to mail out of your email list because there's so many things that you can't do, right, with, with an email, like opt out. So a dedicated form or a dedicated mailing list is, is really important for you to have because it also keeps track of the number of subscribers that you have. So with ConvertKit, which you'll have access, you have access to it if you go to convertkit.com. If you would like to help us out, use the link bloggingbusinessowner.com slash pricing. And you're going to find that there is the pricing plan. But Above the pricing plan, there's a slider where you can move it up or down to show how many subscribers you have. And so even if you want to have a bigger plan because of more flexibilities, but you have less subscribers than what is required to go to that plan, you can still get the plan with less subscribers if you just kind of move that lever from side to side. And so go ahead and play with it uh, on the on the website. Go ahead and and play with that lever and just kind of see how much is each plan. You're gonna quickly notice that the more subscribers, the more the plan is. And that's pretty typical for all email software. It, it really is dependent on subscribers. You have other things such as, you know, different uh, resources or different flexibilities, but it really does come down to the subscriber list. And again, you know, you, you might wanna look into the pricing as well to learn more about your subscribers. So for example, I have access to analytics and reports and with the free plan, you, you don't have that access. So if that's something that you think would benefit your business and look at that pricing plan and see what's going to fit uh, and work out for you. But the reason that I'm really telling you about, you know, can your list get too big is because sometimes you'll find that some people don't open your emails anymore. Uh, or they are not, yeah, they're not clicking on them. They're not opening them. And so that's what you call a cold subscriber. ConvertKit will identify them for you and they will tell you this. These are the list of your cold subscribers. And not all is lost when you have a cold subscriber. I mean, there, there are ways that you can uh, bring them back, if you will. And we're going to share some strategies with you today. Uh, but d don't give up on those cold subscribers. They, they, they subscribed one day and, you know, they could still be interested. Uh, so one of the ways that you can bring in uh, cold subscribers back is to conduct a survey. Talk to your current audience and see what is the best frequency of your emails. Are they enjoying your current subjects? Are, is there something else that they would like to see in your emails? Are they too long? Are they too short? Are, oops, sorry about that. Uh, another strategy that you can use is to send a breakup email. And so this sounds a bit silly, but it's when you kind of point out to the cold subscriber that you've noticed that they are no longer engaging with your email. And th this is a kind gesture, of, of course. And you really want to get to know, you know, what is going on? How can you help? Uh, and it could be a ton of different reasons and um, embedding a call to action in that email is is really key. Yeah, another important point to consider is like cutting down on your emails. Sometimes like we get too involved, like email, uh, email marketing can be so much fun and convenient and addictive that we might send a lot of emails. Uh, we can get overly enthusiastic and send them like too frequently, possibly like every day. And the subscribers are just not like keen to open your email like probably every day because there's too many repetitive emails. Right. And just a point on that, that's actually the leading cause of why people unsubscribe to an email. <laughs> it's 
too many emails. Yeah. So if you notice that your emails are not being opened and people like the subscribers are going cold and things are starting to slow down, uh, you might want to think about sending emails less frequently or you could offer your subscribers a choice to change the email frequency so that like a few subscribers who are not willing to like look at your emails probably every day, they could change the frequency to once a week or once a month so that uh, they wouldn't be annoyed by the frequency of the emails. Right. Also, I really enjoy automation because the time that people are most engaged are when they first subscribe. And that is the reason that you want to send that initial email. And in that initial email, you want to be sure to include some type of statement that says, add me to your contacts. That way you avoid going into the spam folder. It could be that all your emails have been going to spam and they haven't seen your emails at all. And so be sure that you're communicating that that is a possibility that their email host or inbox might be sending them to the wrong folder. Another important point to consider while handling cold subscribers would be like after you have put in a lot of effort by providing like improved content or providing surveys or sending re-engagement emails, some uh, cold subscribers might actually come back to life and subscribe uh, and open your newsletters more often. But some of the inactive subscribers will remain kind of like zombies. At this point, you should probably considering uh, you should probably consider pruning your email list and removing the people who are like no longer part of your active audience. Right, and one of the biggest reasons to prune that email list is because you're paying money to send them an email, and you. If they're really not responding, even after you're, you've done all these strategies and maybe more, then it's probably time to drop them from your email list and save yourself some money. That's really one of the best reasons. Another reason might be you want your analytics to really show the, the engagement that you're actually having and not considering the people who are not opening the email list at all. And so to have clear analytics to save you some money, I mean, it's just a healthy thing. You want to make sure that you have a positive interaction and a positive community and some of that is having a two-way communication yeah i think we covered a lot of points about building an email list i think there are some like faqs that we could consider that pop up when you want to build an email list um is there a way i could get free email lists from somewhere (laughs) yeah there is uh There is. How do I say this? <laughs> you can buy an email list, but hold on. Hold on. Don't do that. <laughs> that is a fast way to ruin your reputation. People do not want to receive emails from someone they don't know or something they haven't subscribed to. They will probably get annoyed. And so you don't want to do that. And and really the worst of all is that you can be marked as spam, which means that if enough people mark you as spam, then that host, Gmail, Yahoo, AOL, whoever is the host, there is such a thing called like blacklisting. You don't want to get blacklisted because that means that it's that email address is coming from a spammer. Don't get blacklisted. Uh, Another thing is that if you buy an email list, it is very likely that A lot of those emails are not used anymore. A lot of those emails are spam traps. You're really not reaching the person anyhow. A quick way, well, I don't know if it's a quick way, but a way to get around this is to rent a list. And so what is renting a list? Renting a list is when you go on somebody else's subscription uh, email list and you go in as a guest, that would be renting a list. So for example, let's say that we were, we we had a guest post on, on Blogging Business Owner, and they wanted to send out a newsletter introducing that post. I would then send an email to my subscribers introducing the, the person, the author, 
And then the rest of that email would be an email from them. So if somebody chooses to unsubscribe, they're not unsubscribing to their list, they're really unsubscribing to my list. So it is a benefit for, for both parties. So for me as a host, I am showing my audience that I'm listening and I'm providing content that maybe I'm not a specialist in or maybe I, I, I just don't have the same experience as them. And so they would provide more benefit. And so I'm bringing in resources, right, for my audience. They are also benefiting because now they have access to a subscriber list. So they have the attention of a whole group of people who know that they're that they have a community that they trust and that they know. And so they have access to that list as well. So it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Um, what if I already have a website? What can I do? Well, if you have a website, you have a great start. Uh, so that's a lot of people. That's what kind of stumps them is having that website. So that that's a really great start. I, I would say go back to your website and count how many times you're actually promoting your email list and how much you're inviting or giving people the option to sign it. If you find that it's really hard to find how to subscribe to your email or maybe it's not existent, then embedded. Uh, look at our website and see what things you can adopt from from it and what would fit into your business as well. And look at other websites as well and see how you can embed it. Uh, find ways to embed your newsletter to your homepage. I would say homepage, resource page, and about me page are, are really the top pages that you want to embed them in. And as Chaitanya was saying earlier, inside of your blog post is also a great way to to embed that opt-in form. And what if I have nothing to say? Like I want to build an email list, but I have nothing to say. What can I do? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, so there are a couple things that you can that you can broadcast about. So for example, you can talk about your blog post. So the newest blog post that you have available, that is a great way to introduce your blog, which is something that they already are looking forward to and a way to make that content uh, contact. Another way would be, you know, when they first sign up to your newsletter, that's a great time to, to send that first email and start that communication with your subscribers. Another way would be to whenever they buy a service or product, you might want to send an email thanking them or asking for a review. That might be another time. Or also when you have an announcement to make, that would be another time that you want to communicate with your audience. So the thing here is you want to stay connected, right? You want to make sure that people know that you're there, that you're listening, that you are opening those communication channels consistently. And so be sure to, to do that. Now, emails are fun. And that might be like my bias point of view. Uh, but you can also do other things, right? So I just kind of mentioned the ones that are the most kind of uh, traditional. But you can also do something like you showcase your top pins of the month, and you analyze why they worked and what you'll do better. You can showcase your freebie and let people know that it's available now. You can do things like 10 things blank, 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 right? 10 things bloggers don't tell you about starting a blog, something like that, like a list sort of thing. You can do top five posts for beauty bloggers, something like that. So just kind of showcasing other people's work. I think the biggest thing here is if you have nothing to say, I mean, nothing. You have already gone through all this. You've already sent your weekly newsletter. You went ahead and sent a bonus newsletter. You have nothing else to say. Don't say anything else, right? Because then you you risk someone unsubscribing because you sent too many emails. So don't fall for that trap. Just make sure that you send those emails on a consistent basis. What if I have built a email list and I find out that um, people are unsubscribing. What should I do? Right. So that might happen. That That's not, don't look at that as, as a negative thing. You know, people unsubscribe for different reasons, but you can start to analyze that, right? If you start to see a trend. So the number one reason is too many emails. So you might want to see how many emails you're sending. Is that appropriate for your audience? Is that something that they do they want to hear from you that often? 
And like we mentioned before, you can do like a survey. Um, you, so the next thing that you want to look at, if you're not sending too many emails, right? Uh, you want to look at quantity versus quality. So when people open those emails, you want them to get value and, and for them to want to receive those emails. So really look at how exciting and creative those emails are, how you're communicating and what it's bringing to the audience member, right? How they are perceiving your emails. Last thing that you want to look at is the design of the emails. So some emails can, and you can embed, uh, like videos and and you can embed templates into emails. You can make them really nice, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to be received that way. And so it could be that maybe your blog post is talking about an image and the image isn't appearing on the screen. There are some ways that you can go around this, like alt text, right? Which will appear if the image is not there. You can do that. And some people really successfully do that. Uh, Other people, they'll use templates and kind of work around the template to send out an email. Sometimes the template doesn't show and it just kind of looks like words are in awkward places. So the best way to get around that is just to send a plain text email. Really, statistically, people like plain text emails more than they like the fancy template picture video emails. And so it it really is dependent on your business and what you're trying to communicate. But if you don't have to embed so many images or or things that might not come across, then, you know, don't don't do it if, if you really don't need to. So how many emails do I need to make like 10,000 bucks? Well, if you're John Meese, uh, eight, <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. So John Meese was a man who would go online and he would go on different um, websites that are kind of like these forums where they ask questions and you answer and things like that. And he started to notice that, you know, a lot of people were asking questions about WordPress. And so he would go and he would answer these questions about WordPress. And the more he answered them, you know, people really found them really useful. And he started to notice themes within all of the questions and the answers that he was giving. And so he developed the course. And when he was ready, uh, he sent out an email to his subscribers. He only had 250 at the time. And eight emails later, he made $10,000 in only seven days. So it's not entirely impossible to make that type of money. And if you have his strategy, you can definitely also do that as well. Uh, So best of luck. I mean, everybody's trajectory is just so different. The thing here is be consistent, nurture your audience, make sure they find value in your work. Uh, and, you know, show that you're knowledgeable and passionate about what you're talking about. So an email list has become essential for any blogger who's trying to establish a robust online presence. It's no longer just a collection of email addresses. It's a way to stay connected with your audience and build a thriving community around your blog. You can find the show notes on bloggingbusinessowner.com slash So I hope you found this podcast helpful. We're going to include the blog post and the show notes. uh, But before we do that, I just want to thank you so much for sharing time with us today. Thanks for joining us and listening to us today. It was a really awesome time. Subscribe to the podcast and visit bloggingbusinessowner.com. And for the show notes, you can find them at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash three. So as you know, I have been in the podcasting space for some weeks now, and I have been very lucky to produce successful episodes. If you want to hear more episodes, go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash podcast. Access the one stop to subscribe to your favorite platform and connect with us online. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash podcast.